Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Good morning. Uh, if uh, if I haven't had the the chance or privilege to meet you, uh, my name is Chris. I'm the I'm the founding lead pastor of Kings Cross uh, Church. Uh, I'm I'm normally the one that has uh, just the privilege of of of, of serving uh, by preaching uh, God's word uh, on Sunday mornings. Uh, but uh, as Oscar uh, mentioned uh, this morning, I have off from that, which I'm grateful to God for uh, and grateful to our brother uh, Henty. And so uh, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, Pastor Henty. Uh, man, that, that's uh, just rolls off the tongue nicely. So Henty, uh, Pastor Henty is uh, uh, is uh, is a, is a man that I met um, uh, probably just a little bit under a year ago. Uh, he was uh, we sitting in uh, one of my favorite coffee shops, uh, reading uh, a book on Reformation theology uh, by Tom Schreiner. Uh, and it, it caught my eye, because if you know anything about me, you know I've got a tender spot in my heart for Reformation theology, which I know is a really nerdy thing to say. Um, but uh, we, we just sort of connected uh, through that. And at the time, uh, Henty was uh, working at a really large church uh, in the area um, and pursuing his Masters of, of Divinity at Southern Seminary. Uh, and uh, he had this this job at this large church, which obviously would require him to work on Sundays. But every Sunday that he would have off uh, for several months, uh, he would come visit our church uh, and worship uh, with with us on on Sunday mornings. And so many of you probably met him about a year ago when he started visiting our church for the first time. Uh, but. Uh, 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 he 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 told me that the one of the reasons that he 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 uh, um, wanted to worship with us on his days off on his Sundays off uh, is because he just sent something special in this church community, uh, just evidence of God's grace at work in a budding new church community. And so, uh, shortly after uh, Henty got engaged to his now fiance Sophia, they get married and. Two months, right? A little less than two months. Uh, praise God for that. But um, uh, they, uh, <laughs> they uh, um, shortly after they got uh, uh, engaged, uh, God saw fit as he was trying, as Henty was trying to figure out what was next for for him uh, and the job that he would have uh, vocationally to support him and uh, his his new wife. Um, uh, Henty was able to to come here at King's Cross. Uh, full-time, so to speak, uh, on Sundays, and uh, he's just been serving uh, and plugging into community over the last several months. Uh, I know some of you, he's in your uh, home group, uh, and he's been uh, helping me out with some uh, projects uh, throughout the week, and uh, we're just grateful for you, brother. Uh, and so, uh, Henty uh, did get a job uh, up in Seattle, uh, which, boo, on the one hand, uh, but yay for him and for God's kingdom on the other hand. And so um, uh, they next Sunday uh, is 
his last uh, Sunday worshiping uh, with us, at least for a while, uh, as they move up to Seattle. Uh, but uh, we invited him to share God's word uh, with us uh, this morning before he leaves. So, uh, Henty, would you come up here? Um, I'm going to pray uh, for for him. Uh, and so, would you would you guys join me in prayer? Um, Lord God, I thank you so much uh, for our brother, for Pastor Henty, and uh, for uh, just the love that you've uh, uh, just grown in him for uh, your word, for your church, uh, and just in your kindness, Lord, and, and the love that you've grown in him for this local church. I pray, God, that um, you would speak uh, through him uh, as he uh, faithfully handles your word. I pray, God, that you would speak your truth, goodness, and beauty to us through Pastor Henty. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Chris, thank you. Um, it's a bit weird to hear the term Pastor Henty. I, I, it's probably going to take me like forever to get used to that. I just It's just not a um, not a word I'm familiar. I'm not, not that I'm not familiar with it, but it's just weird to finally be uh, in that place where now I have a job that has a title like that. And uh, that's a very uh, kind of daunting thing for me. And um, yeah, I think coming out of this this past season that I was in uh, is especially daunting. And um, it's, but you guys have played a large part as a church in helping me to be in a place where I feel a little bit more comfortable under the grace of God taking a title um, such as that. And so it, it, just the, the word that Chris was, uh, that he didn't share uh, that I, I think I'm going to talk about in this sermon a lot is that when I first came here, um, what I felt was a sense of home. And I'm sure that many of you guys, as you've come here and as you spent time in community groups or just being here on a Sunday morning, you've probably felt a similar thing. And so when Chris asked me to preach, he's like, what do you, you, know, what do you think you want to preach about? And I said, I want to preach about, I want to kind of give and unpack a theology from the scriptures about what is it, what, what is a home? What does it mean to be part of a family? And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And so I have a bit of a confession and a story to tell you. Um, and it happened on Christmas Eve, uh, just, just a couple uh, days ago. And so Sophia and I had just went to Saddleback, just one of the local churches here, and we had gone to one of the Christmas Eve services. And we had some plans after dinner. I mean, sorry, after the service to go to dinner with some friends. And so they're like, hey, we're going to go to a restaurant in Foothill Ranch. If you can just meet us there, that'd be great. So we started driving over to Foothill Ranch. And then I just had this inkling sense in my heart that they were going to cancel on us. And they did. <laughs> and, and so we're, we're like, okay, well, that's fine. Like, we'll just find somewhere to eat, you know. And obviously, like, rookie mistake, it's Christmas Eve, right? Like, <laughs> nothing's open at 8 p.m. on Christmas Eve. And so we start driving around for, like, the great charcuterie board of options, such as, like, Dunkin' Donuts and mcdonald's uh we actually made our ways um, our way into ralph's um and we're looking and then we're like no nah, like we don't really want to make food we'd rather just go buy some food that someone else has made for us and so we uh we're driving around and this is the confession part uh i i took my beloved fiance to del taco for the first time <laughs> and and so like I, I'm, I'm i think like my world is just caving in at this point because i'm just like man like this is my future wife like you know we're, i, I want to treat her as best as i can and like the best i can do on christmas eve is take her to del taco where we're gonna get really bad you know nacho cheese and burritos and all this stuff and i the world is just like man this is a very low low moment for me um <laughs> 
And so I'm in there and as I'm like, as things are like just deconstructing in my brain and I'm like just unwillingly handing over my money to Del Taco so I can, you know, have dinner with my future wife, um, I, I realized something that Sophia was, was, she was just beaming. She was so beautiful, so happy just to be sitting across the table from me eating <laughs> uh, an impossible meat burrito because that's our, that was our food choice for the evening. And, and we were just having the best time together. But, and and like, it, it, like, it, it pulled me out of this, this moment that I was in where I had this, this expectation on, and I, had this, I was so self-oriented on myself that I was like, man, like I've got to I got to create this, this big event for Sophia. Like we got to go to this super nice place and go to the super great place. It has to be this amazing thing. But then I just realized like I'm, I'm with the love of my life. And that's like the most important thing. And it's funny because all of our lives are, are similar to this. We, we're, we're so self-oriented, like we get so focused on like what our expectations are or how we think that something should go or we're trying to plan out all these things. And we forget perhaps who we're with and why we're there. And, um, and it, like, I, in that moment, I almost missed the fact that I got to share what was actually our first Christmas Eve together um, in, in quite a while. Well, I, mean, I mean, actually, yeah, and ever, not before. We haven't spent Christmas Eve together before. And, uh, and so it, it picks up this idea that in our hearts that unfortunately maybe it's because of past pain or past family history, we have these expectations. We don't want it to be like it was before, or maybe we're just trying to set a, kind of a new course. And so we, we kind of create and paint these glorious expectations, um, or maybe we're just focused on what we want in the moment. And so I think even in that moment, I, I probably just wanted to look good in front of Sophia. Like I wanted to impress her, but I realized that it wasn't even about the food or being impressed or anything like that. It was about being with her. And this is the same for our lives. And Paul actually talks about this in this passage that we're going to kind of unpack today. And, uh, and he, he draws us to kind of do two things. And the first is to, is to remember. At the beginning of Ephesians 2, verse 11, um, he, he calls us to remember. And so this passage, it doesn't actually have a clear command, but it, it, the first part of it is calling us to remember. Um, and then obviously, as we'll see, as you're a part of a family, and I'm sure as, as I've talked to different husbands and fathers, they said like being a husband and being a father, like the one thing it points out to you is that you're really selfish. Um, and this, this passage identifies kind of this, this perpetual, consistent selfishness that we have in our hearts that we continually have to put to death through, through faith in Christ. And so I just want to pose the question to kind of just set the stage. How do we become a part of the family of God when we are self-oriented and forgetful? That's a question that we have to answer in this text. How do we become a part of the family of God when we are self-oriented and forgetful? Because if, if you are selfish and you are forgetful, you're probably going to spend most of your life alone or separated from meaningful community or meaningful relationships. And so I think the answer to this is that we need to focus on Christ, who is the cornerstone of the family of God. That's how we get ourselves out of self-orientation or out of forgetfulness. And so if you're a note taker, that's, that's kind of the main point of what we're going to talk about this morning, is that Christ is, we need to focus on, on Christ as the cornerstone of the family 
of God. And so um, before we kind of just jump into the three points that we're going to make that I'm going to make here out of this text, I just want to cover some context to kind of just get us introduced to this. But obviously Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 is in the greater chapter of, of Ephesians 2, which is this this chapter in Paul's letters that is just packed full of vitally important theology and teaching and application that's entirely vital to every single piece of our lives. It talks about how vertically we are reconciled to God in Christ. It talks about how we were once far away from God, but now we've been brought near through the grace and the mercy of God, and how then we've also, it's a gift from God. It's not anything of our own doing, and then God has called us and commissioned us into being people who are his workmanship. We're created to, 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 to do the works that God has created. But not only that, in the second half of the chapter, it, it, it plays out the direct implications of that, that not only are we vertically reconciled to God, but horizontally we are saved unto each other. We are brought into a family. We are adopted into the family, as Paul talks about in Ephesians 1. And so later on, even in, in different books of the Bible, and, and particularly in 1 John 4, verse 2, John writes that if we don't love each other, if we don't understand how to love each other, it actually shows that we don't understand God's love at all. And so this, this text is vitally important for us because it, it helps us to see that our application of God's love, our application of the gospel is most commonly worked out through our love and our care for each other. And so it just it just raises the importance. It raises how vital this passage is to our lives. And so I, w- I would love for us to kind of just view this passage as, as a bit of like a diving board. Okay, and so like as you as you know, a diving board is not just like a met it's 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 something that you kind of have to like inch yourself out onto and then test how bouncy it is, and then you dive into what is going to be the pool of God's grace. And that's exactly what we're going to do in this passage. And so the first point uh, that, uh, that I would love to make, and this is, this is an application of this text, is we, we need to understand the transcendent family of God. And we see that in verse 19. So we need to understand the transcendent, the, the transcendent family of God. And we're going to see that in verse 19. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of of the household of God. So Paul here, he uses three different kind of descriptions to explain the same truth, but he uses one in the negative form and he uses two in positive forms. The first one, he says that you are no longer strangers or aliens. That's the negative uh, description. And then the, the positive ones are you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So we're just going to slowly work through this for our own benefit. We're going to slowly kind of unpack some of these these phrases so we can fully understand them and get the full sense of what Paul is trying to say here um, in, in, in these words. So he says you are no longer strangers or aliens. And so I'd love to just make the, the, the distinction that strangers is, is more of a personal term and whereas aliens, but obviously it's not like aliens, like the meme, but he's talking about, he's talking about the, like the legal, like if you're not a citizen of a, of a country, you're an alien, like you're, 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 you're a foreigner. And so Paul constantly picks up personal and legal language and he marries the two. So it's kind of looking at two different sides of the same coin. And so this, this idea of being a, a stranger or an alien, it comes right out of 
the first part of Ephesians 2 as well. I, I hope I'm not confusing you with referring back and, and, and forth between these two, but in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it talks about how we were dead in our sin and our trespasses. We were walking according to the way of, of the spirit of this world. We were as it says, we were children of wrath. We were actually a part of a different family entirely. And it's important to see that Paul is just pulling on this exact same imagery, and he's saying this is exactly what's happened here. Not only now are we separated from God because of sin, um, but but also when we are not when we are not with and, and in the family of God, we're separated from each other. And so he says that we are we are strangers. We and and, and I think an important part to look at in this is that. When we are strangers in, in a personal way, we are estranged from what is most intrinsic about us, which is that we are image bearers of God. We bear the very image of God. We are created for, you know, by God, and He said that we it was good when He created us, and He said it was, and that He's called us into doing His work. And so, what happens is that when we are estranged from the image of God, we're strangers to God's love. We're strangers to God's mercy. We're strangers to the grace of God. In Ephesians 2, verse 12, just a couple verses before this passage, he says, we, when we were apart from Christ, we were strangers of the covenants of promise. And so God has, has, has laid out this redemptive plan, and when we are strangers from God, and, and when we've sinned against God, and we've essentially shattered this image of God in us, we're completely unaware of what God has done and what He is doing and our place in all of it. We, we're living in this misery of brokenness where we're trying to kind of grasp in the dark, like just groping in the dark for things to try and hold this shattered image of, of, of our broken image together. And we're trying to, we go to all these different things and these different idols in the world, like Danny talked about earlier, to try and make sense of who we are. And so we're completely and entirely strangers of the reason why God created us. And it was to fill the world with His glory. And instead, when we are strangers from the things of God, we're, we're just most preeminently concerned with glorifying ourselves, with, with trying to find some way to piece ourselves back together um, and outright living in a life of complete confusion as a result. And so he goes on to say we're, we're no longer strangers but then he goes on to say that we're, we're no longer aliens. And, and why, why is he using this language? Once again, he's trying to make that distinction. And so to be an alien of something is to, is to not be a citizen of a country or a kingdom. And more specifically here, it means to not be a, a citizen of the kingdom of God. That means we, have, we take no part in God's kingdom. We don't have allegiance with God. It's like we are rebels without any power and without a cause. We're kind of just hell-bound on hell. Um, and we're, like it says, once again, in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, like we are just following the course of this world. We are children of wrath. We are citizens of another kingdom because of sin. And so I, 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 know, I kind of know what this is like because back in 2004, I immigrated with my family over to the United States. And there was this extended period of time where I was considered a legal alien. Um, and so what happens with that is like you have limited rights. You, you, you still have to pay taxes, of course. Um, but you, you're, you're limited in, in some of the things you can do. I don't believe you can vote. Um, you're limited in your movement um, outside of the country um, for a season. And there's kind of this constant dread that at some point the country that you're in, at least the country that I was uh, being here, that I might have to leave 
at some reason that was kind of outside of me just because someone else decided they didn't want me here anymore. And it's this, it's this kind of crazy un, uncertainty. And Paul is saying here that when we are aliens and citizens, citizens of God, when we, it, it's the same thing. There's this uncertainty about life. We don't really know where we're going. We don't really know what we're doing. We really don't know how, you know, is there, a, is there a reliable source of love or care coming for us or to us? And when we're separated from God because of sin, I think we feel probably most acutely how uncertain that love um, is and if we will get any of it. And so, but the passage turns here and it says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but, and so obviously you guys remember probably, and this is like people make the joke that it's like the big but of the Bible. Um, but the, the bigger but was just before <laughs> in Ephesians 2, where it talks about, once again, like we are children of wrath, all these things. But it says, but God being rich in mercy, it's some theologians call it the great adversative. And, and it's just saying there's this, gr- there's this grand change in direction, this whole grand change in perspective and, and, and where our lives were going. It's, it's once again, it's first seen in Ephesians 2 verse 4. Um, but it comes up again in Ephesians 2, verse 13, um, where it says, But now in Christ you are you who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's saying the same thing, that once again, as we were vertically reconciled to God, now horizontally we're reconciled to each other. We're brought near by the blood of Christ. And then it comes up once again for a third time in this passage, but it says, But... So you were once these people who were estranged from the image of God. You were once an alien, not a citizen of, citizen of the kingdom of God. But now we, we have become fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And we, we can't miss this because the, the, even in, in the Greek language here, Paul uses the strongest way to say there's a difference here. Something has changed. He doesn't. He doesn't have any other words to say it's stronger than he has. It's in the most emphatic form. He's saying things are changing. Things are completely different, and it, it draws us to take notice that something has intrinsically changed for the people of God and for understanding the family of God in, in this text. And so, I think. I think what we realize about this whole idea of being in a transcendent family is that. There's a deep, deep-seated desire in our hearts for that, and and maybe for some of us today, it's an uncovering of that, or maybe it's just a it's a reacquainting with some of those things, um, waking us up from forgetfulness. But just like Paul, I mean, not Paul, <laughs> Chris talked about earlier. Um, he's pretty much Paul. He's close. He's a faith. He's a faithful brother. Um, like when we look to the Reformation, you know, like we 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 would like to think that you know. If I was there with Luther that day, I too would have nailed it to like to the you know to the to the church door. Like I would have stood there with him. Like I'm I'm with the reformers. I'm with 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 what they did and what they stood for and how they helped us to 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 reengage with the gospel. Or maybe um, for for some of our for some of the patriots here or or people who are I mean just any, I guess you could say any American citizen. Um, like you look to World War II, and we would like to say if we were then, maybe we even have grandparents who lived then that. You know that, that that we would have fought with America and 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 all the Allied powers to fight against Hitler and the Axis power. Like we we resonate with with the sense of justice, with the sense of a transcendent 
family that's bigger than us. Or maybe it's a little bit more lighthearted and it's like Harry Potter and you go on Facebook and take all those personality quizzes for which house you would be in. Um, and you, we all want to be in Gryffindor, like let's be honest. Um, or maybe it's the Lord of the Rings and you know, you, amongst your friends, you're trying to figure out like who is who in the fellowship and like who gets to be Samwise and actually carry Frodo's sorry self up Mount Doom to get stuff done. Like who's the good friend who's actually like that? Or or maybe it's even it comes to something like a sports team because I know like this week is week 17 of the NFL of, of the season and it's a playoff so maybe you're checking your fantasy li- lineup while you're in here in service today to try and make sure you win. Either way, it's I think I think the the point is clear in that we all have a desire to be a part of something that's way way bigger than us. That that we we want to be a part of something that is transcendent that is above us that is beyond us it's what draws us to like the marvel movie series it's it's these things that that we we want to be a part of something that's so much greater than ourselves and in fact we were designed for that we were designed to be in communion with god and sin broke that in us we long for it We, we we seek it out and so what we see here then is that when Paul introduces this truth that we are citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. It, it connects in our hearts because it's what we've longed for and maybe we've never known that we've ever wanted or ever knew that we could have fulfilled. And obviously, it's in a way, it's, it's temporary. It's a foreshadowing of the kind of communion that we will have with God in, in eternity one day but it's still filled, it's still chalk-filled with the grace and the mercy of God. And so I, just as, as a way for to, once again, to enrich in our faith, let's just spend some time unpacking what, what does it mean to be a citizen in God's heaven and what does it mean to be um, a member of the household of God. And once again, it's, it's two sides of the same coin. Once again, the, the one side was the legal side, the one side was the personal side. And so he says that we are a citizen. When you're a citizen, you have allegiance and agreement with the ruling authority that is above you. The authority above you recognizes that you are a part of their stewardship. And so we even see Paul pulls rank on this in Acts 16, 37, where him and, a, and, a, and someone he's traveling with, they get thrown into prison. And so they get thrown into prison, and they, I think they beat them, they flog them, and they're like, okay, you can go on your way. And Paul says, mm, I'm a Roman citizen. If you're going to send me packing, your authorities need to come and do it. And then the jailers and them, they realize what they've done, that they've actually violated what is one of the contractual terms of being a Roman citizen in that time, and then these this 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 cohort of people have to come and pick Paul up and apologize and but tell him like hey like get out we don't want you to preach the gospel anymore, but we see that there that citizenship is it's it goes both ways. Once again, the governing authority realizes they have a stewardship over you, and in a part of that of being a citizen is that you have rights in in the country that you are part of. And once again, going back to my own citizenship story, I was a legal resident for. For eight, for for eleven years, and once again, I had that limited travel, all of those things. But I remember when I finally went to the immigration office, and I took, I swore my oath of allegiance, and I was able to get my passport. I remember the first time I entered back into the country. It's like you have like all these other lines where all these other countries go into, and then you have like the American line that you can go into, and you're just like, whoa this is pretty cool you know and they're like and then you know and then like the immigration officers are super nice and they're like oh welcome home and i'm like 
That's so weird. Like, <laughs> I'm home. Like, I'm a citizen. Like, no one's asking any questions about, like, what are your intentions in our country or anything like that. Like, they're, they're, they're like, no, you're, you're a part of, of America. America, like you're a part of it, like you know, like you're, you know, like you're, you're a red-blooded American, you know, and 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 just, like, re- it was just such a surreal moment because you you spend so much time in this, I, at least I spent so much time in this alien resident like limbo that, you know, when you're finally there, you're just like, oh wow, like I I am a citizen, like I I mean I I can I can do all these things, I can vote, I can do all these different things, I have all these rights, I, um and and it just changes, and so now. What Paul's saying here is that we are a citizen with the saints. And so we're just going to tease this out a little bit further. But when it's saying with the saints, this is not the Roman Catholic Church's understanding of the idea and the word of saint. And, and what that usually is, is like just this reverence of past Christians that you can kind of pray to or, 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 or have some kind of connection with. But the word here in the Greek is, is hagios. So the noun form of that word um, is, just means holy. But when it's used in a, in a plural noun form, it's it's saying holy ones. So it's just an, it's just an identifier for what the church is, what we're represented by, and and because we are placing faith in Christ and what Christ has done, and because Jesus gives us our holiness and our righteousness through Himself, through faith in Him, we are all then for those who place faith in Christ are considered the saints. We're considered the hagios, the, the, the holy ones of God. So we are family with God's family. And like we, we just saw this a couple of weeks ago. We saw this entrance into that through, the, through some baptisms with Bryce and Zach and Levi that because they came out and, and they professed that I have placed faith in Christ and what he has done for me, they too are also considered holy ones. So once again, there's, the, there's this transference that, that Paul is talking about from what he says in Colossians, which is the kingdom of darkness, and into the kingdom of light. And the same thing here. He says you're no longer strangers and aliens, foreigners outside of the fold of God, but through faith in Christ, we become a part of something that's transcendent over us, that's so much bigger than us, and it is that we are part of the family of God. We are citizens with the saints. So he goes, goes on to say, we are members of the household of God. We are family members of God's own household. And so it, it, when we think of the word members or membership, it's kind of sometimes a bit odd because we think of like a gym membership where you pay to not go to a gym uh, for most people. Um, you know, but it's, and so then we, we kind of, it's, I don't know, sometimes membership is a bit of like a snooty thing where it's like, oh, I'm a member or like, oh, do you want to be a card member when you're flying on, you know, on an airline or whatever it is? And but it's a little bit different than that. It's when he's saying that we are a member of a household, it's saying that we have a seat at the table. We we have a sense of of place and understanding of belonging. We're we're welcomed home. We we get to experience the the, the welcoming and warm and loving embrace of being home. Which for some of us might be completely foreign, or maybe very familiar for some of us. But I remember early on this year, I, and once I, after I got let go after one a job I was working, I got to go and spend two months in the Netherlands um, visiting with Sophia's family. And as much as I loved being there, I remember the first night when I got to sleep back in my own bed in my apartment here in uh, in, in Mission Viejo, and I was like, "That's that's my home." 
in a way. It was it was this place of comfort because it was it was my it was my bed. And and maybe some of you guys have some other creature comforts like that. But another moment or understanding of of the, this this household of God was for me was whenever I would go to the Navarro's home group, and I remember I, I would I was a little upset that it was only every second week. I would have loved for it to be every every week, but um, I, I just had to learn how to be content with that. Um, so praise God for that. Um, but I remember going there and feeling cared for and feeling noticed and, and seen that my life, my struggles, my burdens were known, that they were being carried by other people, that my soul was being cared for, that I got to hear about how other people's marriages were going and what they were doing to help to to edify their spouses. We broke bread together. We broke we broke tiki drinks together. Um, and even at one point, I totally crashed uh, the Navarro's Thanksgiving and ended up playing Minecraft with their kids for a couple of hours. Um, and so some, sometimes it's really serious things that create the sense of belonging at home. And sometimes it's it's really silly things like building a world that ends up getting deleted and there's no. There's no history of it anymore. Um, but what we see is that, once again, we are a part of a transcendent family. Like, our brothers and sisters in the family of God are people like Adam and Eve. People like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Moses, Ruth, David, Esther, Paul, Peter, John, the disciples, and most importantly, Jesus Christ. I guess for, for a more like colloquial way of saying it, like our family is lit. Like these are amazing people. Like these are people that God used to bring about his redemptive plan for all of time and for all of history. And these are people that one day when we get to see Christ in glory, that we get to talk with like siblings because we are part of the same family. But not only that, but we also get to Now, through the scriptures, we get to receive the wisdom and the grace and the understanding of God that they can give to us through what was written about them, you know, from the Holy Spirit in the inspired word of God. And one of the great things in this is that we share this one common thing. And really, this is the thing that draws us all together. And it's what we're really going to unpack in this next point. And it's that we are connected by redemption through God. We all share in the same in the same truth that we are connected in God's redemption story. And so the second point that I would like to make here is that, and once again, it's, it's another exhortation, be part of the timeless family of God. It's going to be our next point here on the screen. Be part of the timeless family of God. And so once again, we understand that, that God, that this family of God is transcendent. It is above and, and beyond us. And I hope I'm not splitting a hair here, but even though God's family is above us, it's also timeless. It extends all the way from eternity past to the very real present and into eternity future. And so let's just look at some of the the, the verse here in verses 20 and 21. It says, built on the foundation. So this, this family is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So once again, this not only is the family of God transcendent and that it is above us and beyond us and that it's great and glorious, but God's family is timeless. It envelops all of time and, and all of the people that God has called to himself. 
And one of the really interesting things about this is that as we read the scripture and as, as we, I guess you could say, literal, like in a literalistic way, rub shoulders with these different people that we talked about, we realize that these people are just like us. Like we go and we, root, we like read through the Old Testament and we're like, gosh, those Israelites are so stupid. And then like the Holy Spirit like kicks your heel and he's like, yeah, you too, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, to realize, man, like we're just like them. We're just as unfaithful as they were. We're just as prone to wander. And these people, they some of these people have totally blown it and they've messed things up. And I just wanted to, to list a, a few of them just to, to help us by way of reminder that there's some like Jacob whose name literally means liar and deceiver. But God used Jacob very, very intentionally to bring about and, and the, the covenant and the promise that God said that he, that he would, once again, that he established in Genesis 3.15, that he would send someone who would come and redeem the world that would crush the head of the seed of the serpent. That Jacob was a part of that line. Another one is David, who even though he wrote the uh, vast majority of the Psalms, was a murderer and an adulterer. We, we even look at someone like Elijah, who was known for his miracles, but even after totally destroying all the prophets of Baal, he went up on a mountain and hid and self-righteously prayed to God, God, I'm probably the only one left who is faithful to you. And God quickly reminded him, no, you're not. I still have a remnant that is my own, that I've kept for me. Later on, we, we find a prophet like Jonah, who was called to go and preach the gospel to the people in Nineveh. And he goes and preaches the gospel to the people in Nineveh with no desire or compassion at all that they might be reconciled to God. And then they did turn and repent. And Jonah's like, what the heck, God? Why would you do that? I mean, like, this is a prophet. This is like, this is like, a, like, a, like a preacher who's preaching and doesn't want his people to repent. <laughs> and then they do, and he gets mad about it, and he whines about it to God. And he says something to the effect of essentially like, God, like, why don't you just kill me? Like, I'd rather just this not be happening. I mean, I mean, the, this is the kind of people that we have in the scriptures. We, we even listen, we even see some of the apostles like Peter who denied Jesus on numerous occasions and was like a textbook blabbermouth. We even see Paul who used to be named Saul who was essentially a spiritual terrorist of the, of, of the New Testament church before he was saved by Christ. These are the kinds of people that we rub shoulders with in the scriptures. And so, yes, they, they are people to be celebrated in that they didn't stay in, 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 the, in those forms of sin, but they moved on to faithfulness in, in God. But what we realize is that in this timeless family of God, like we share a couple of things in common with them, three things in particular, and one we're going to really, really focus on. One, we share in common sin. Everyone in the Bible, except for Christ, is in deep, deep need of God's redemption. We, our, our sin is pervasive, and it's, and it's insidious, and it gets into places that we don't want it to be. And the second thing is that we all share in grace. We, everyone in, in, in the Bible and, and the, the, these people who are part of the family of God have drunk deeply of the inexhaustible wells of God's glorious and beautiful grace, which completely changes our entire lives. But lastly, and this is the point we're kind of going to kind of just unpack for a little bit, is that we are all people 
of the living word. Once again, so if you look at verse 20, it says we're this family of God is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And we see that Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the word that was from the beginning. Jesus was with God when everything was spoken into existence and when everything was 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 planned out and was said it was to be good jesus has been sustaining all things since the beginning of time until now and will sustain all things until christ comes again for a second time to to save his people we see that in genesis 1 we see it in john 1 where we see that that jesus was there jesus is the word incarnate and we see also that god uses thoroughly flawed people to accomplish his will he uses former rebels, and he turns them into beloved sons in, in the kingdom of God. And so we're all, if we place faith in Christ, are bound to this living word, that is Jesus Christ. We, we are bound to the word become flesh, like we just celebrated in, in the season of Christmas and Advent. And really, in reality, all of history, all of time hinges on this one thing. It hinges on the king's cross. All of history, all of time, everything draws its meaning out of the cross of Christ. All things find their purpose, they, they find wh- wh- how they make sense, they find their perspective. And so we see that Jesus is the cornerstone, that, he, that, that we are people of this living word, we are people of Christ, we are people who are once again, founded on the cornerstone of Christ. And so, once again, as Paul talked about in verse 11, we, we need to remember, and we need to remember this timeless family of God that we are a part of, that we are being held together and we are built on the cornerstone of Christ. Once again, our, our, our brothers who are the, the apostles and the prophets, once again, we all share in God's grace. We are, we are trophies of God's glorious grace. And once again, it's in Christ, as once again, as Christ is the cornerstone, that everything else is built upon, that everything finds its perspective, that the whole structure is built on him, and he holds all of it together as he's been sustaining everything by the, by the power of his word since the beginning. He is holding all of us together in the family of God with him. Jesus is the one who holds all of it together. And so if we are to be become a part of the family of God, we are, if we are to rid ourselves of our self-orientation, of our forgetfulness, we need to, once again, like lynch our lives onto, like pack our lives onto the cornerstone of Christ. He's the one who is going to hold us together. And this is a beautiful part of being a part of this, this timeless family of God is that we have this, this entire Bible chalked filled with stories of how God is faithful to his people and how he continually and is, and is faithful to hold all things together. And he's faithful to hold us together. And I, I realized as, as I was unpacking and thinking about this whole idea of Christ being the cornerstone and him, everything being joined together in him, it reminded me of the fact that for many of us, like our lives don't feel like that. Our lives don't feel like they're being held together. Our, fi- our lives feel um, like chaos. They feel like, it almost feels like we're like a, 
like a trailer going down the freeway and there's always just something falling off the trailer and we have to like go back around and go get that important thing and our lives feel like they're falling apart and so this this truth that you know that Christ is holding all things together can sometimes just sail right over our head because we're so focused on all the chaos that's going on around us that we don't see that Christ is holding us close and it reminded me of the last six months that I've been here that in some way when I lost my job it's like the entire like trailer unhitched and everything and life just went into a free fall so in the middle of engagement in the middle of trying to get Sophia over to 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 the states and I didn't have an income I didn't have and really I, I, everything just fell apart and it didn't feel like at that moment I, I remember distinctly where I was when I was told that I was being let go um, and it just felt like everything had like someone just pulls a rug from underneath you and it's just that it's like that moment between when you're falling to the ground but you haven't hit the ground yet but you know it's going to be hard and but you're just kind of stuck in limbo and i remember in that moment i had to somehow try and find hope and king's cross was one of god's biggest instruments and tools to help me to find hope in that season it was through shared meals, shared drinks, shared conversation, shared burdens, shared encouragement, sharing in the teaching of the word and the singing of songs together and in praying that I was reminded of the rock-solid cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. It was through you, church family, that I was reminded that Jesus is the king, that it is the king's cross that gets the final say. It's the king's cross that gets to, that, that, that shapes and gives perspective to all of time and to all of history and to all of our circumstances and to all of our pain and our suffering. I was able to see that I could have healing from what happened. I could have strength for today, even when the future is uncertain, but I can still have hope for tomorrow because Jesus is king, and he is on the throne, and he is God, and no one's going to move him from being the cornerstone because all of existence is built on him. And so I, I just I want to make this crystal clear that if you do not, if you don't have faith in Christ today, I would just love to call you to consider the gospel of hope, the gospel of that Jesus Christ has come to turn strangers and aliens, people who were not a part of his, of, of his family, that rebels, that we were, we, were, we were people who were living in sin, that God has come specifically in Christ to, through living a perfect life and going to the cross and taking our sin upon himself, taking the punishment that we deserve because of our sin, that, that Christ has done that for us, and then he died the death we were supposed to die and resurrected again, showing that he was Lord over it, that it's that, in fact, that gives us hope. And I would love to extend that to you and say, have you considered how much you need that? Have you felt the need of for God's grace and light of your own sin? And maybe a simpler way to, answer, to, to ask that question is, what are you holding on to for hope today? Is it an income, or is it maybe even a family member, or is it some fleeting desire or sin? Just, just, or even if you are a believer here today, like what is your hope in? 
because if you're perpetually, I mean, obviously we, we, we find that we are in a world where we are perpetually disappointed, but sometimes perpetual disappointment is an indicator that we're putting our hope in something that was never designed to hold it. And I, w- and I would commend to you that in the local church, what we have is we have a community, a family, a transcendent family, a timeless family, but also a real local family who is able to remind us of the truth of the gospel of hope. And, and maybe you're here and you're a believer today and you're like, man, I've got, I've got this down. Like I've, I'm, a, I'm a part of the family of God. I've been here faithfully. And I would just encourage you to thank God for his goodness and his grace for extending that to you through, even through this church family. And so, in our last point here, and I'm going to wrap this up real quick because I know I'm probably over time, is that I just want to exhort, exhort all of us to seek out the triune family of God. We see this in verse 22. Seek out the triune family of God. Verse 22, it says, In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So once again, we're a part of a transcendent family that is above us, that is great and glorious and wonderful. We're part of a timeless family that incorporates all of time, that all of people in the scriptures, but also in our local sense. But also we are part, we are called to seek out a triune family. We see that the Father in Genesis 1 and 2, he creates us, he says that it's good, and then he commands us to work. He says, go into the world and fill the world with my glory. Sin ends in, and work becomes very, very difficult. Work is arduous. It's exhausting. And so to seek out the, the, the family of God, I just want to say, it's going to be hard work, but it's good work. And the fruit that you will gain from it, you will taste the benefits of for a very, very long time. And so as the Father commands us to, to, to work, the Son comes in and he gives us the ability to do it. He, in Ephesians 2.10, he says, we are God's workmanship. We are, made, we are made for good works, to do them unto God. And so we see that the Father is commanding us to work. Jesus provides the power. And in the Holy Spirit, he is, as it says in this text, is building it together. He's building us all together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. It's being built together by the Spirit. We see that there's a triune nature to this community, that God in heaven, in his own community of the Trinity, is inviting us into that as well. And I believe that is, that is a sense of what some of us have experienced in coming to King's Cross is that we've been here and we've experienced a sense of home. We've experienced a sense of community. And that's a godly thing. It's a thing that's, it's, it's, like, it's like an aroma, like it's a fragrance of God presence in and amongst our relationships with each other when people walk in and they say, it feels like home. It's like a small foretaste of re-entering into the Garden of Eden where we get to have unlimited communion with God. And so in the form of the local church, God has given us a foretaste of what heaven will be like. And so when we get that taste of home, when we're with our church family, it's a distinct reminder that this is a place where God is and that's a place that we should be committed to and it's a place that we should stay. And so through the church, um, we can see that we receive God's love. But I would also just encourage us all to not only receive God's love, but to dispense it. And so I, I just have a, a, a fourfold exhortation that I would love to give all of you. 
in this timely moment of our current season, which is as we're moving from Advent into New Year's. And these are just practical applications for how you can apply this sermon. And so the first is that I would, before you go and make resolutions for how you're probably not going to like lose all the weight that you want to lose um, or do all of those things, and there's, there's so many different resolutions you can make, I would just say, instead of thinking about yourself first in your resolutions, um, why not think about your community and your family? Why not right now commit to going to community group or to home group when they open up again? Just make a decision right now. Clear it that off your schedule. Clear that night off of your, of your schedule so that you can be a part of, of community, be a part of a family, and to meet with these people who want to pour into each other in, in, through, through, through the faith in Christ. I think a second thing that you can do is that maybe you can commit to monthly sharing a meal or a drink with someone you don't know in this church family. Get to know your family, it's, it's just one meal, it's just one drink in all 30 or 31 days of the month. Just, just do it once and, say, and, just, and just ask one question. Can you tell me about your story? It's very, very simple, but, but in this way that you can grow in, in, in being familiar with the people who are around you. And you'll probably grow in your conversation skills as well, which is a great plus. And you can use that in this other one, which is to then maybe then to quarterly. So every three months in your, in your job, Try to just pick out one person and seek out that coworker and just try to establish a relationship with them. Just get to know them, get to know their family, get to know why they do what they do. And maybe when the time comes about, invite them to come to King's Cross or invite them to your community group to hang out with, with, with your family. Or, or maybe even you take them out to coffee or to share a meal with them with the hopes of sharing the gospel with them. And in all of these things, we can share the joy of being a part of God's family together. And so once again, just as a matter of recap, to, to, to be a part of the family of God, we need to understand that we are a part of something that's so much bigger than us. We also need to realize that we're a part of a timeless family that incorporates all of the scriptures, but is also expressed locally here. And we are also to seek out the, fam- the triune family of God, which is we are to partake in the community that is evident in the Trinity, and we get to be a part of that. So I just exhort you to, to do these things, to take this as God's word for you today. Thank you for listening to the King's Cross Church Podcast. We'd like to encourage listeners to be part of a local church gathering. If you're ever in the Orange County, California area, we'd love it if you come by and visit on a Sunday morning. For meeting times and locations or any other information about us, please visit kx.church. There's no .com in that, just kx.church. Thanks again for listening.